Uh, praise the Lord. Okay. Uh, I want to. <clears throat> I'm going to start in Deuteronomy seven. Now, remember, Deuteronomy uh, is. Uh, let me get this to catch up with me just a second. Well, there it goes. Finally, somebody didn't want to didn't want to catch up. Deuteronomy. Oh, uh, let me bring this up just for a moment here. Oh, <clears throat> again, like I've, I've always mentioned. Of course, we're looking at the Bible on the screen here. But anyway, there's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. These are completely historical, just chronologically laid out. You know, perfectly. You know, not by accident. It was on purpose. Okay. So anyway, uh, creation, the flood, Noah, and uh, uh, Abraham's family, whatever, all the way down to the close of when Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob passes away. They're all in Egypt. You can use the E to remind yourself they're in Egypt, but it's Exodus. Exodus means they're leaving. This was such a big thing. The Sabbath uh, is established basically on the events that took place in Exodus, we'll see. Anyway, they built a tabernacle at the end of this thing. It was a, a, you know, a tent structure for the Holy of Holies and stuff like that. And that's the nearly the last third of Exodus. And after they did that, then the Leviticus is just Levi. It's how the Levites operate. They're the ones that manage that facility, okay? Take care of all the sacrifices and stuff like that, okay? And then they don't move. There's no historical information. Well, I mean, there's historical, but there's when they've let. They're still at Mount Sinai right here. And then when you start numbers, they actually count the number of people that were in each tribe and whatever names and details. And then they're on the way to the Promised Land. Of course, we realize. Remember the story, and that's where it's hid. When they got the Promised Land, they said, "Ah, we can't take this. No, no, no. God must hate us." Ah, wow. So they wound up wandering around for forty years. Till all the bunch, the unbelieving bunch, died. And then all of a sudden, it picks up right here. This book records Moses' address to the people of Israel when they were camped at the valley of this place, Arabah, in the wilderness of Moab, east of the Jordan River. They are right there. All they got to do is cross the Jordan River. But remember, Moses can't go. And this is the reason all these things are, it's, you know, as you read your Bible, you begin to see things and you go, you know, this is true. This is true. You don't have a religious leader, we'll say like Muhammad, big shot, he is, whatever, of course, I don't believe his stuff, of course. But you've got Moses, a big shot, and guess what? He can't even go to the promised land. <laughs> he pleads with the Lord saying, let me go. Nope, you're not going. Joshua's going to go and you're supposed to encourage him. Wow. So this is not a secret deal with some man named Moses who made this all up because he was on opium, he was Drinking and all this kind of, all the dumb things we hear. Mm-mm, wow. I just love this. Look at this. They even stuck a date on here. All these cities they include, okay, the speech was given on verse 2. This is Deuteronomy 1, verse 2. The speech was given on February 15th, 40 years, wow, after the people of Israel left Mount Horeb, though it only takes 11, get where my mouse is, it only takes 11 days, okay, to travel by foot, not airplane, but by foot. In other words, basically to the promised land. Okay. And then he says, these couple of kings, they just defeated them only a few months ago. I mean, and man, he said, when you read the stories, he was telling, Moses was telling Joshua, just as easy as we wipe these two guys out, you're going to wipe out everybody in the promised land. The Lord's going to wipe them all out. Anyway, now, this speech is going on and on. We're standing there. We're listening. 
I want us to pick up in chapter 7. And notice what he says here. When the Lord brings you into the promised land, as he, will, uh, as he soon will, and he will destroy the following seven nations, all greater and mightier than you are. Now, you know, I mean, I, I, I think you know what I'm planning on doing. But anyway, I remember uh, uh, just a few, just a few uh, months ago, but could have been even longer than that, I remember, you know, Donald Trump was saying, they'll never get you to the promised land. Well, oh, 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 wait a minute. I don't understand that. Yeah, we do too. We're a people that understand history. We understand this phrase called promised land. Wow. Notice what he says. He will destroy the following seven nations, all greater and mightier than you are. Now, you've got to understand this is kind of scary. You're not there yet. Uh, matter of fact, Moses is saying during this speech, tomorrow. Y'all are going tomorrow. Well, remember their parents said, oh, no, we can't do it. And look what it cost them. It cost them a 40-year delay. You got to use your faith. Notice there's not any life lessons to learn here. Like half you're gonna get killed. Just prepare yourself. No, no. They had one battle. I think I mentioned it last week. The generals came back and they did a count and they told Moses, "This is the end of, of, of Numbers, end of the book of Numbers." And the general said, "We want to bring you an offering for the church, whatever, because we counted. And we didn't lose a single soldier. Praise the Lord." Okay, here's these nations, Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, the Jebusites. When the Lord your God delivers them over to you to be destroyed, do a complete job of it. Don't make any treaties. Don't show them any mercy. Now, there's a reason for this. Utterly wipe them out. Don't intermarry with them. Let, your, let not your sons and daughters marry their sons and daughters. Nor let, that is. Okay, that would surely result in your people. Look at that. There's the problem. It's not sashing your mama, not doing something else. The big thing that destroyed Israel was worshiping other gods. Okay. Then the anger of the Lord would be hot against you, and he'll surely destroy you. You must break down the heathen altars, shatter the obelisks. That means just their little places of worship, and the shameful images. He says, notice, you're a holy people dedicated to the Lord your God. He's chosen you from all the people on the face of the earth uh, uh, to be his chosen ones. You didn't, uh, he didn't choose, excuse me, he didn't choose you and pour out his love upon you because you were a larger nation than any other, for you were the smallest of all. Praise the Lord. It was just because he loves you and because he kept his promises to your ancestors. Now that's going to be very important when you start looking at your back's hurting, your knees hurting, or, or you got some sort of sickness or whatever, or you're having some financial trouble or whatever, and all of a sudden you start putting it on your own merit. Well, Lord, I really need this, but I don't know how you're going to do it because I'm just not that. Don't, don't play that game. He already knows who we are. Think about that. He loves you. Okay? And because, he says, because he keeps his promise to your ancestors. Look at that. That's why he brought you out of slavery in Egypt with such amazing power and mighty miracles. Mercy. Time and dates in the Bible are so important. Even though we're hearing a lot of terrible things that we had to kind of juggle. What about the dinosaurs? The dinosaurs, they were just called dragons a long time ago. That's what it was. I was reading even this weekend. I was telling Bob about it, but I mean, we've got sophisticated maps made by people that we believe had every kind of intelligence in the world. And on their map, why would they have a mythological portion over here saying there be dragons? In other words, you're going to go around the bend here and go there, but watch out, there's dragons over here. What? Fantasies? No, I don't think so. Anyway. He said, understand that the Lord, your God, is the faithful God who for a thousand generations, now we're going to stop here for a moment and look at something, 
for a thousand generations. Now, what's a generation? Well, I'm a generation. My son is another generation behind me. That's the reason we say a generation gap. He and I can't communicate. We've heard about that. You know, of course, we, we know better. But we understand what generation is. Now, notice this phrase. The Lord your God is a faithful God. Faithful. A lot of times we get to thinking we're supposed to be faithful. Well, we are, but don't forget he's faithful. Either that or he's, Lord, you're sinning. <laughs> he's not going to sin. Faithful God who for a thousand generations keeps his promises and constantly loves those that love him and obey his commands. But those who hate him shall be punished publicly and destroyed. Now, oh, I guess I hate him if I do something wrong. No, uh-uh. you hate him if you do what? Notice this. Oh, oh, he says he's faithful to a thousand generation uh, because he keeps his promise and constantly loves those who love him. He's talking about going after other gods here. But now, notice for, oh, I didn't finish that verse. But those who hate him shall be punished publicly and destroyed. Wow. Notice, hate him. I don't hate the Lord. You don't hate the Lord this morning. But now, let's go look at something just a moment. <clears throat> a thousand generations. Now, they, now, get the picture here. Let's just say this. I love Jesus. Not oh, Dustin loves him too. But guess what? Because I love Jesus, Dustin can't help it. He's got this favor on him. Of course, you can understand why. Because that's my son. I want him to be blessed, okay? And the Lord's going to take care of my worries for him. He's going to be blessed because I love the Lord. That's why having kids is not a problem in your life. You know, it's not like, oh my God, I have kids. Oh, I can't bring them into this rotten world. Oh, don't ever worry about that. Praise the Lord. But now someone who doesn't love the Lord, he said those who hate him will be punished publicly and destroyed. He'll deal with them personally. Okay, but now... Let's go to this thousand generations just a moment. I want us to go straight to uh, <clears throat> the book of Matthew, and we're going to do a little counting here. Generations. Thousand generations, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> so we're going to just do a portion of this. These are the ancestors of Jesus Christ, the descendant of King David and Abraham. Wow. So <clears throat> Jesus has put himself on the line here saying, I am a descendant of Abraham. I am a descendant of David. He's going to prove it. Abraham, starting with him, was the father of Isaac. Okay, I guess. I guess Jacob's next. Yeah, right. Then one of them was Judah. Judah was the father of Perez. And okay, name starts naming all these guys. But now, guess what? There's a count down here. So he counts them all the way down to uh, uh, Jacob was the father of Joseph. You know, Mary and Joseph. You know, lying in a manger, whatever. The husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. These are 14 generations from Abraham to King David. Now, we hear a lot of history here at our church, which is good. But look at that. 14 generations, 14 granddaddies or dads and sons between Abraham and coming down the line to David. Ooh, I know about David. David slung the stone, hit the giant. Yeah, okay. Then, 14 from King David. Remember the next big landmark? Nebuchadnezzar took over. To the exile. That's when Nebuchadnezzar took over. Well, why did he do that? Well, remember, Israel said goodbye to Jesus. They wanted to throw their kids to the fire, worship other gods, the sun god. Huh, no wonder. So 14 generations from David to that time. Daniel in the lion's den time. And then 14 from there to Jesus. Now, I always heard there was a, I don't know what happened. We don't know what happened. It just got silent, and all of a sudden Jesus showed it. It didn't get silent. It was 14 generations. 14 from Abraham, 14 to David, 14 to Jesus. Now, I'll just tell you out here, 
uh, Abraham, between da- Abraham and uh, Noah was about 10, and then between Noah and Adam was 10 more. So there's 20, and we're looking at 13, 13, 13. Well, that's 39, right? Yeah, <clears throat> 39. Total loads up. So we had 40, and then 39. Anything but 70. What did that promise say? Thousand generations. Praise the Lord. Wow. Well, he's going to be merciful. Okay. So, thousand generations. But we're not even come close. For a thousand generations, he's going to keep his promise. Praise the Lord. And if you look back and you look at all those people, he sure was. Anyway, obey these commands I'm giving you today. Because of your obedience, the Lord God will keep his part of the contract in his tender love he made with your fathers. What's he going to do? Love you. Bless you. Make you in a great nation. Now remember, these things are yours. They are all yours. Look what he says. He'll make you fertile. Let's talk about your wife. Abraham's wife couldn't have kids. Abraham finally in the 15th chapter of Genesis says, What good are all your blessings if I don't have a child? And God says, No problem. All of a sudden, Sarah has a child about two chapters later. He'll make you fertile. Look at this. Fertility to your ground. I got a rose bush I had planted and replanted somewhere else. And I, I keep thinking about this. I said, you're going to live. You're not dying. You're going to live. Richard, you really believe that? Yeah. The same effort we're looking at this is the same effort that we believe Jesus Christ is our Savior. It's exactly the same. A lot of times we have more confidence in knowing Jesus Christ is our Savior. But Jesus believes every bit of this. That's the reason the life he gave on, his, on earth when he was here. He was healing everybody. He knew all of this stuff. Here, watch this. Fertility to your ground and to your animals. There you go, Chaz. Okay? So you'll have large crops of grain, grapes, olives, great flocks of cattle, and even all that scratching and stuff Chaz is doing. You better believe I'm putting the pressure on this. I'm like, praise the Lord. Sheep, goats, when you arrive in the promised land, uh, your father, he promised your fathers to give you, you will be blessed above all nations of the earth. Praise the Lord. And the Lord will take away, look at this, he'll take away all sickness. Well, I'm, excuse me, I didn't finish up. Uh, not one of you, whether male or female, shall be barren. Not even your cattle. That's just too hard. That's it. Now, come on. You know what's too hard to believe, too? That we're not going to miss hell. We're going to go to heaven. That's just as hard to believe. You mean Jesus died for my sins on the cross, and I get to just go to heaven? Yeah. But see, we've heard that so much, and we've understood what he actually did, and we know his mercy. We believe that. This is exactly the same thing. If you're male or female, you're not going to be buried. Not even your cattle. Now, if that's not enough, look at 15. And the Lord will take away all sickness and will not let you suffer any of the diseases of, the, of Egypt that you remember so well. We ain't been doing such a hot job of this. Remembering. We're getting better, praise the Lord. But I'm just saying, I didn't even know. Remember, if you just, just practice. Remember the Bible says in Psalm 1, if you meditate on his word, you're like a tree planted by the rivers of water. On your way to work, try to remind yourself. See if you can remember some of the plagues that happened to Egypt. Just some of them. Oh, let's see. Uh, lice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was lice. Well, didn't remember, it didn't happen to the Israelites. It happened to the Egyptians. You're free from that one. Ah, hailstorm this afternoon. It's going to beat the tar out of my car. Nope. It's not going to hit you. Praise the Lord. 
Then there was darkness. Remember, we just it, that's meditating on the word. But anyway, <clears throat> the nice thing is it didn't happen to the Israelites. You mean the Israelites that were closer to the Lord. Wait a minute. The Israelites, they didn't know much about the Lord at this point. They were just, remember, they were just children of their great-granddaddy who knew about the Lord. Praise the Lord. So many great things to catch here that we don't have to worry about deserving. Okay. Remember so well. He'll give, look, he said, I'll give them to your enemies. <laughs> Man. God. So it's not meant for you. So anyway, you must destroy all the nations the Lord God gives you in, in your hands, into your hands. Have no pity. Don't worship their gods. Now that's what the point was all about. If you do, uh, uh, it'll be a sad day Those if you worship these other gods. Perhaps you will think to yourself, how can we conquer these nations? They're so much powerful than we are. Don't be afraid of them. Just remember what the Lord God did to Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. That's why it's so important to remember. What happened when Moses said, let my people go? And remember the Lord said, I'm going to make his hard heart. Why did God make Pharaoh's heart hard? Because God wanted to show out to the entire world how great he was. Nobody knew. Do you remember the terrors the Lord sent upon them? Your parents saw it with their own eyes. And the mighty miracles and wonders and the power and strength of the Almighty he used to bring you out of Egypt. Well, the Lord God will use this same might against the people you feared. Well, of course, he won't do that for us today. Whoa, ho, 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 hold on. He sure will. Praise the Lord. Moreover, the Lord your God will send hornets. Praise God. And drive out those. Who hide from you? Don't be afraid of those nations. The Lord, your God, is among you. He's a great and awesome God. Praise the Lord. He'll cast them out a little at a time. He'll not do it all at once. If he did, the wild animals will multiply too quickly and become dangerous. He'll do it gradually, and you'll move in against those nations and destroy them. He'll deliver their kings into your hands, and you'll erase their name from the face of the earth. No one will be able to stand against you. Burn their idols. Don't even touch their silver and gold. They're made of... Don't take it or it'll be a snare to you. It's a horror to the Lord your God. What? Those idols and things. Don't bring an idol into your home and worship it. For if you do, look at that. Your doom is sealed. Wow, that's terrible. Okay, utterly detested. It's a cursed thing. Now, let's jump ahead to uh, the 11th chapter just a moment. You must love the Lord your God and obey every one of his commands. Now, remember his commands? Are, I mean, there's, there's few. But anyway, listen, I'm not talking about your children who have never experienced the Lord's punishment or seen his greatness and his awesome power. They weren't there to see the miracles he did in Egypt against Pharaoh in his land. Okay. They didn't see what God did to against the armies against Pharaoh, excuse me, against the armies of Egypt and to their horses and chariots. How he drowned them in the Red Sea. Okay. Uh, and how the Lord kept them powerless against you to this day. They didn't see how the Lord cared for you time and time again through all the years you were wandering in the wilderness until you arrived here. They weren't there uh, when a couple of guys, they rebelled against uh, Moses, whatever, actually against the Lord. Anyway, all these people, the earth opened up and swallowed them. He says, but you have seen these mighty miracles. How carefully then should you obey these commands I'm giving you today? Notice why. He says, so that you can have strength to go in and possess the land you're about to enter. Now, remember, their parents got over there and they said, we can't. We just can't do it. God hates us. Oh, please. And they wanted to build another cow. They wanted to make another idol out there. Oh. He said, if you'll obey these commandments, you'll have a long and good life in the land the Lord promised your ancestors and their descendants. A wonderful land flowing with milk and honey. 
Some people think that, uh, you know, we need to just expect every day Jesus is going to come back. And all that matters is just knowing whether or not we're going to heaven. And we shouldn't expect to take care of ourselves and build houses and homes and have families. That's, that's just ridiculous. Jesus didn't teach that. <laughs> anyway, a land that the Lord God personally cares for. This is Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 12. His eyes are always on it day after day throughout the year. If you will carefully obey all his commands, I'm giving you this day. And if you'll love the Lord your God with all your hearts and souls and worship him. See, notice that. Then he'll continue to send both the early and late rains that will produce wonderful crops and, uh, of grain, grapes for your wine and olive oil. Look at that. You know, you just simply love the Lord. He takes care of everything. Praise the Lord. He'll give you lush pasture land for your cattle to graze in. And you and yourselves will have plenty to eat and be content. And he said, now look, just beware. Here it is. Beware that you don't let your heart turn away from God to worship what? Other gods. If you do, the anger of the Lord will be hot against you. He'll shut up the heavens. Now, he explains why. You know, it's interesting. He's a jealous God. You say, well, he don't need to be jealous. Well, wait a minute. I'm a parent. you got children. People that have children, you understand. If, if a child spends more time with somebody else, you as a parent would be jealous. You know what I mean? Well, Dad, they're just greater. I just like it. Yeah, but I'm your dad. Now, I understand somebody may be a loser or whatever, Dad, but we're not talking about that. God's no loser here. These people here are going, you know, we just, we just like the idea about these Moabite gods. Oh, mercy. Wow. And look at the, I mean, it's like we today are not even taught these blessings. Gosh. Okay, anyway, he said, boy, you're going to quickly perish from the good land the Lord's given you. So keep these commandments in mind. Tie them to your hand to remind you to obey them. Tie them to your forehead, between your eyes. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting at home. At bedtime, before breakfast, write them on the door of your house and your gates. So as long as the sky is above the earth, you and your children will enjoy the good life. Wow. All right, if you carefully obey all the commandments I give you, loving the Lord, walking in all his ways, clinging to him, then the Lord will drive out all the nations in your land, no matter how greater and smaller, stronger they may be. And he did this in Joshua 20. I mean, in Joshua, the next book. Just wiped them out. Wherever you go, the land's yours. Frontier stretch from this and that and this and that. Euphrates, the Mediterranean, the Negev. No one will be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will send fear and dread ahead of you wherever you go, just as he's promised. Now look at this. I'm giving you the choice today between God's blessing or God's curse. Is that thing still out there? Christ has redeemed us from the curse. There will be blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God I'm giving you today. Now remember, the big command is don't go after other gods. See, notice this here. It says, and a curse if you refuse and worship the gods of the other nations. This is a no-brainer. And it looks like I'm already in it. But see, here's what we've done. We already know there's no only, but only one God, and we love him. We do. We got him as our God, but we think he doesn't take care of our bodies. He doesn't take care of our pasture. He doesn't take care of our cows, cattle, dogs, whatever, or take care of our cars and our families. And we're like, what? This promised land is still there. That's where we looked last week. Hebrews 3 and 4. Promised land, promised land. Jesus has brought you the promised land. Well, it's not exactly like this. It is exactly like this. Now watch this. When the Lord brings you uh, into the land to possess it, a blessing shall be proclaimed from Montesano and Green Mountain and a curse from Green Mountain. That's all it was. Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. What? Gerizim and Ebal are mountains west of the Jordan River. These are actual sites where the Canaanites live in the wasteland near Gilgal where the Oaks of Morar 
All right, you're to cross over Jordan, go across the Tennessee River, okay, live in the land the Lord's given you, but you must obey all the laws. Remember, his laws are don't have any other gods. That's one of the Ten Commandments anyway. Okay, now, all these promises are yours. Now, let me go to, let's go to, I'm still here. Oh, I need to go to 27 right here. Let's look at these uh, right here toward the end of 27. Let's see something here. Moses is still talking. When you cross the river, no promised land. Uh, where is it at? Yeah, when you cross the river, notice that that same day, time frame. But now if, you, if it takes you a year to read Deuteronomy, you'll never believe it that way because you, you'll, <laughs> you keep chopping it up. Try to read this thing too as quick as you can some night. Okay, day or days. When you cross the promised land, the tribes of Simeon, Levi, Isker, remember these are tribes because... Their great-granddaddy, whatever, was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These were Jacob's three kids. I mean three, twelve. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Iskar. Of course, they all have their own kids. And the numbers of them, it totals up to about six million. Anyway, he said six of y'all tribes, you can say Chickasaw, Choctaw, whatever, all of them, they're all going to be on this one mountain. We're going to say they're all going to be standing on Montesano. The other half of y'all get over here on Green Mountain. Obviously, they could see each other. I think the Levites were in the center. Yeah, the Levites were between them. Okay, when you cross the promised land, the tribes of six of them shall stand on Mount Gerizim, we'll say Montesano, to proclaim a blessing? How foolish. Do we really got to do this? Are you kidding? The blessings are real. The curses are real. Just check what happened to Adam in the garden. Got booted out when he did what he wasn't supposed to do. The whole place was cursed. Man even lost their longevity of life. Doomed to die. Blessing and curse matters. Anyway, and the tribes of these other guys, y'all get over here on Green Mountain. Stand upon Mount Ebal to proclaim a curse. What for? It was to remind everybody. It's like an Alabama game or whatever. One said, roll, tide, roll, tide. That's what they were doing. They were announcing a blessing over here, and they were proclaiming a curse. And there was a contract made saying, okay, these curses are coming on us if we give up Jesus. Yeah, it'll happen to us if we give up Jesus one day. Well, we're not going to give up Jesus. Anyway, the Levites standing between them shall shout to all Israel, The curse of God be on you. Whoa. Anyone who makes and worships an idol, even in secret, or carved in wood. Wow, look at all these things. Now, uh, let's run over here to see the event take place. Notice we're in Deuteronomy. Boom, promised land. It happened in the eighth chapter. Here they go. All right, they've been wiping everybody out. Probably only been a, only been a couple of months, I bet you, at this point. Uh, let's see where it is. They killed this guy, this king. Uh, let's see. Here we are. Then Joshua built an altar. I mean, because the Lord had been keeping his word. At Mount Ebal, as Moses commanded in the book of his laws. Make me an altar of boulders that have never been broken or carved. Uh, the Lord said concerning Mount Ebal, the priests offered the burnt sacrifices, okay. The people watched. Jo look, what look what Joshua did. Boy, I tell you, he carved on the stones the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Then all the people, including the elders, officers, judges, foreigners, living among divided into two groups. Here they go. Half of them are standing at the foot of Mount Gerizim, the other half at Mount Ebal. Between them stood the priest and the ark, ready to pronounce their blessing. This was all done in accordance to what Moses said to do. Once you get there, you guys do this. Boy, they did it. 
Look what Joshua did. Joshua read them the statement of the blessings and the curses that Moses had written in the book of God's laws. Every commandment uh, Moses ever given was read to the entire assembly, including the women and children and the foreigners who live among the Israelis. Now, jump ahead to Jesus just a moment. Is this stuff really real? Yeah, it's real. Let's go to a little story that took place in Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, let's see. One day, chapter 10, as he was teaching in a synagogue, he saw, and just remember this, it's on the Sabbath, okay. He saw a seriously handicapped woman who had been bent double for 18 years, unable to straighten herself up. She's bent over. He called her to him and he said, Woman, you're healed of your sickness. What? What? Now I'm going to come back to that and see what happens here. But let's go back to something we just saw in Deuteronomy. Well, it was there. It's, it's in this speech. It's in chapter 5. I mean, why does he keep saying stuff about the, the Sabbath? I mean, always the Sabbath. What's the Sabbath got to do with it? Okay. Uh, I'm in Joshua, excuse me. Oh. This Deuteronomy, this is that big long speech. I hear Sabbath till I'm blue in the face. Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath. Look at that. Why should you keep the Sabbath? Now, listen, don't worry if you're working and stuff like that. We understand that because Jesus has told us, you know, that's not what this is about now. But notice the point back then. What, why the point? Why should I keep the Sabbath? It's because you were slaves in Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out with a great display of miracles. And I tell you, as a kid growing up, I didn't know that. I heard about Sabbath. Oh, yeah. We had Alabama had blue laws. The blue laws don't work. You know, don't work. I mean, I remember people getting arrested for opening up the Super X. That was the drugstore in Huntsville. The managers would be arrested almost like every Sunday. Bob, you remember that? <laughs> He'd be arrested. <laughs> he had the Super X was open because Alabama had blue laws. Why'd you have blue laws? Ain't nobody going to work on Sunday. Never knew why. This was why. It was to remind you that you were a slave in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out with a great display of miracles. Praise the Lord. Now, let's see if Jesus thinks of it that way. Oh, you better believe he does. So let's go back over here to where we were. We were in uh, Luke and in chapter 13. So it's on a Sabbath day. And I tell you, Jesus, of course, he healed all the time, but he, he enjoyed healing people on Sabbath day. He thought it was great. Okay. On a Sabbath day. He saw a seriously handicapped woman. Now notice what her trouble was. Bent double for 18 years. Unable to straighten herself. Boy, I think if that was you. God, just a bad back problem. Oh, man. Calling her, Jesus said, woman, you're healed of your sickness. Well, see, I'd be running after other gods if they promised me they could do something. Because mine don't do nothing. Boy, whoa, hold on. Man, even Moses' speech, he says, what other nation has God that they can call upon whenever, who will show up whenever they call? Praise the Lord. Anyway, woman, you're healed. He touched her instantly. She could straighten herself up. Oh, how she praised and thanked the Lord. But the local Jewish leader in charge of the synagogue was very angry. Oh, mercy. Very angry? Why? Because Jesus healed her on the Sabbath day. Look what this bozo says. There's six days uh, of the week to work, he shouted to the crowd. Those are the days to come for healing, not on the Sabbath. Oh, God. 
the Lord said, you hypocrite, you work on the Sabbath. Don't you untie your, <laughs> don't you take your mule, man, from their stall on the Sabbath and lead them out to water? Now look at this. And is it wrong for me, just because it's a Sabbath day, to free this Jewish woman from this bondage? Now, let me switch this to the King James just a minute. Oh, and we're going to stop. Watch this. You hypocrite, don't you loose, uh, don't you loose your, uh, your ox or your ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? Look at the phrase. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? What was his justification? She was just a daughter of Abraham. Who are you today? Man, if you be Christ, you're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3, the last verse. Look at that. If you be Christ, you're Abraham's seed. You're heirs according to the promise. The promised land. He said, I've set before you blessing and cursing. Man, we, have, we have got nothing but good stuff heading as we walk out these doors this morning. That's what makes telling people about Jesus easy. They can't help but watch everything working out great for Gaffin and for Bob and for Dustin and me. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. We've got such good news ahead of us. Praise the Lord. Even today, praise the Lord. What could I be worried about? I have you there with me. So, Lord, if I'm hurting, whether it's physical, some sort of sickness or whatever, you'll take care of that for all of us. And if it's financial, praise the Lord. You'll take care of that. Glory. And if it's just some other problem, oh, you are the God that created heaven and earth. You'll fix it. You'll fix whatever it is. And that doesn't leave anything left but for us to leave historical evidence about how great you are in our life so we can tell others about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Amen.